Afternoons, they have a drink together to soften the day's parting. Working together ten years, they have grown into the love they would have had in Harry's childhood had not his mother loomed so large between them. Make it a schlitz, Earl tells the bartender. Daiquiri, Harry says. The air conditioning is turned so far up he unrolls his shirt cuffs and buttons them for warmth. He always wears a white shirt to work and after as a way of canceling the ink. Ritually, he asks his father how his mother is. But his father declines to make a ritual answer. Usually, he says, as good as can be hoped, today he sidles a conspiratorial inch closer at the bar and says, Not as good as could be hoped, Harry. She has had Parkinson's disease for years now. Harry's mind slides away from picturing her, the way she has become, the loosely fluttering, knobbed hands, the shuffling, sheepish walk, the eyes that study him with vacant amazement, though the doctor says her mind is as good as ever in there, and the mouth that wanders open and forgets to close until saliva reminds it. At nights, you mean? The very question offers to hide her in darkness. Again, the old man blocks Rabbit's desire to slide by. No, the nights are better now. They have her on a new pill, and she says she sleeps better now. It's in her mind, more. What is, Pop? We don't talk about it, Harry. It isn't in her nature. It isn't the type of thing she and I have ever talked about. Your mother and I have just let a certain type of thing go unsaid. It was the way we were brought up. Maybe it would have been better if we hadn't. I don't know. I mean things now they've put into her mind. Who's this they? Harry sighs into the daiquiri foam and thinks he's going too. They're both going. Neither makes enough sense. As his father pushes closer against him to explain, he becomes one of the hundreds of skinny, whining codgers in and around this city, men who have sucked this same brick tit for sixty years and have dried up with it. Why, the ones who come to visit her now she spends half the day in bed. Mamie Kellogg, for one. Julia Arntz, another. I hate like Jesus to bother you with it, Harry, but her talk is getting wild, and with Mim on the West Coast, you're the only one to help me straighten out my own mind. I hate to bother you, but her talk is getting so wild, she even talks a telephoning Janice. Janice? Why would she call Janice? Well, a pull on the schlitz, a wiping of the wet upper lip with the bony back of the hand, Fingers half-clenched in an old man's clutching way. A loose-toothed grimacing getting set to dive in. Well, the talk is about Janice. My Janice? Now, Harry, don't blow your lid. Don't blame the bearer of bad tidings. I'm trying to tell you what they say, not what I believe. I'm just surprised there's anything to say. I hardly see her anymore now that she's over at Springer's lot all the time. Well, that's it. That may be your mistake, Harry. You've taken Janice for granted ever since... 
the time. The time he left her. The time the baby died. The time she took him back. Ten years ago, his father needlessly adds. Harry is beginning here in this cold bar with cactuses and plastic pots on the shelves beneath the mirrors and the little Schlitz spinner doing its polychrome parabola over and over to feel the world turn. A hopeful coldness inside him grows, grips his wrists inside his cuffs. The news isn't all in. A new combination might break it open, this stale peace. Harry, the malice of people surpasses human understanding in my book, and a poor soul has no defenses against it. There she lies and has to listen. Ten years.